Here we are back. Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lab, KFGO.com. My name is Ryan Janke. I've got Corey Litton sitting right here next to me. We've got another week of racing results to go through. We've got a few things going on, don't we, Corey? That's right. Yeah, we got a we got a bunch of uh, goodies to get through here today. And, uh, you know, uh, if I sound a little bit different today in the microphone, I got one of those. Well, I, I'm not going to name it by name, mm-hmm. but I got one of those things to help flush the nose kind of thing and, and oh. sinuses. And it's it's um, I'm not going to say the name of it because they could pay to be on here. Um <laughs> <laughs> Still looking for sponsors, by the way, if anybody would like to uh, sponsor the show. Um, I got one of those things, and it's really great if you want to, like, out of the blue, just start gargling salt water. Sure. Yeah. Huh, <laughs> nice. Well, good. It, I'm it, does glad. Seem, it does seem to work, though. I think I've, I've, I feel a lot better now. I am, I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, sounds like it was pretty rough the last few days. So <laughs> yeah. I think good. my body just shut down, and I just slept for about <laughs> three days after we were done with the podcast last week. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just need that. So... Like I said, we got a lot going on. We had some uh, ice racing last weekend. We had more uh, local drivers racing nationally, some World of Outlaws uh, news. You've got a spoiler, a, a documentary that was on Peacock, I believe, that you get to later. So we've got all that coming up, and so uh, let's just get right after it, shall we? Well, yeah, we had uh, Saturday, January 21st, the Cameron Lake Ice Racing in Erskine, Minnesota. I did not get the chance to make it out there, unfortunately. But uh, uh, what we have right now is the point standings going into week number three for the full-size cars. Uh, Ryan Scow in the 28S is your point leader with 219 points. In second, it's the 5 of Tim Kujua with 201 points. In third, it's the 11V of Jimmy Venom, or Venom. Uh, I'll, I'll get to know that one here hopefully soon. <laughs> 182 points. Uh, in fourth, it is the 22S of Tyler Scow with 180 points. In fifth, 14 of Doug Hagen with 167. In the Baja cars, 87 of Hunter Cardinal and 92 of Mason Sheelan have 106 points tied for the points lead. In third, it's Blake DeHate in the 18. With ninety six cars or ninety six points, that might be one of my favorite names right there. Blake DeHate. Unless I'm saying it wrong, but I mean that, I'm saying it how it's spelled. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, DeHate yeah. me or something like that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, he, so, I remember I, he hate me from the uh, the old XFL days. I got that jersey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the four or fourth spot is the seventy one of Noah Glad with eighty five points. Seems like a happy guy. And in fifth, it's the WD twenty one of Max Anderson with seven points. They're back at it again this Saturday, January 28th and every Saturday through March 4th at noon. They have an interesting little thing out there since obviously there's no PA system or anything for their announcer. They got one of those little short wave radios on a low frequency oh. that they can, they're going to announce from that one. If you're if you're close enough to the track or if you're at the track, you can listen. Ah, great idea. That's a way to, to do it. I like if it. If you need to go warm up or whatever. I thought about going out there and announcing one time and putting someone in one of the cars and actually call them and see if they have the setup to where oh, yeah. I can talk to them while they're in the car or, you know. Well, that would be sweet. Obviously, with as small of a signal as it is, we probably can't get in trouble with the FCC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that so, would be really, be really interesting. cool. Yeah, for sure. So we had some uh, local drivers that were on the national scene um, starting off on Thursday, January 19th through the 22nd. The Ernie Mincy Early Thaw Central Arizona Raceway in Casa Grande, Arizona. I like to say it that way. That's one of my uh, one of the tracks that I got to go to a few years back. I want to say 2016-ish. 
Um, we we made the trip out there, and it's a pretty cool racetrack out there in Arizona. Um, it's a nice, really nice, clean facility, mm-hmm. um, and put together real real nice. Uh, I, I really like that place out there, and it's nice to see that track. It, it sat closed for a little while. It's nice to see that track is back in action out there. And uh, Thursday, January 19th was the first day out there. In the stock car, Zach Madrid, you might have heard his name many times be mentioned on the Dakota Classic Modified Tour. He was the winner in the stock cars. Sykeston's Trent Gregor finished in the runner-up spot. He was the champion of the Dakota Classic Mod Tour. Then it was uh, Cleveland's Jordan Zilmer who finished in the fourth spot. Dense Ryan Satter finished in ninth. Uh, Ryan Satter had terrible luck throughout the whole thing. Mm. Um, Never had a good heat race. If he did do well in the heat, he went backwards in the feature, but if he did bad in the heat, he went forward in the feature. Really? Yeah, it was. Hopefully, he can get that yo yo figured out. <laughs> um, limited mods. This is a thing where they took Wasoda Midwest Modifieds and uh, IMCA Modifieds and kind of put them more. I think they added weight to the IMCA Modifieds to kind of make it a little closer to even out there, which, uh, you know, allowed both classes to combine and put on a pretty good field and a pretty good show. Uh, the first night, Carrington's Preston Carr took the race win. St. Cloud's Devin Fouquet finished in the second spot. Marion's The Nightmare Lucas Rodine finished in third. St. Joseph's Jake Smith finished in the fourth spot. Savage's Dan Wheeler finished in fifth. Oh, yeah. I like that tune of Savage. Yeah. Miller's Lane Johnson finished in the sixth spot. Grand Forks' uh, Jory Berg, Jory Exotic, finished in the eighth position. Watertown's Terry, Terry Riley finished in ninth. Madison, Minnesota's Scott Tofty finished in 11th. That is the Ludafisk capital of the world, by the way. Madison, mm, Minnesota. Really? Yeah. Huh. They got a big statue and everything. What? Right? Not not too far from the racetrack. Right, really? Right there in the south end of town. Uh, Phillips, Wisconsin's Parker Anderson finished in the 12th spot. Jamestown's redheaded rebel Scott Bintz finished in 13th. Rice's Shane Sabraski finished in 17th. Don't worry, he doesn't stay back there for very long. Um, and Isanti's Alan Bowman finished in the 18th spot. Going to the late models, Headingley Manitoba's Ricky Weiss, Weiss uh, excuse me, Weiss, uh, took the big win at, with uh, Portland's Jason Strand finishing in second. Strand, who did not have a very good uh, week the week before that, had trouble making an AMA, and that's a big second place finish for him getting in that runner up position. Uh, Bram's Josh Zimple charged up. 20 spots to finish in the fourth spot. Then it was Grand Forks' Ryan Corbett finishing in fifth. Watertown's Scott Ward passed 15 cars himself and finished in the eighth spot. Jamestown's Ben Mickelson finished in ninth. Bemidji's Matt Sparby finished in 11th. Then it was Kindred's Dustin Bloom finishing in 12th. Holly's Cole Schill finished in the 13th spot. Mine at Spencer Wilson finished in 14th. Normally a modified driver jumping up into the late models for this uh, this event. And then Bismarck's Paul Mueller finished in 17th. And Veblen's Denver Nickerson finished in the 23rd spot to round out night number one. All right, night number two, Friday, January the 20th. In the stock car, Zach Madrid won for the second night in a row with Trent Gregor finishing in third and Jordan Zilmer finished fifth. Ryan Satter finished seventh. In the limited modifieds, Shane Sabraski picked up the win. Langdon's Lance Schill finished second. Lucas Rodine finished third. Preston Carr was fourth. Devin Fouquet was fifth. Scott Tofty ninth. Scott Bintz was tenth. Jake Smith, eleventh. Parker Anderson, fourteenth. 
Jory Exotic Berg, 16th. <laughs> Terry Riley, 19th. Lane Johnson, 20th. Dan Wheeler, 21st. And in the 23rd spot was Alan Bowman. In the late models, Ricky Weiss also won for the second night in a row with Jason Strand finishing third. Josh Zimple, fourth. Ryan Corbett, sixth. Cole Schill was eighth. eighth. Lance Schill was ninth. Scott Ward, 11th. Justin Bloom took the 12th spot. Matt Sparby finished 15th. Ben Mickelson, 20th. Spencer Wilson, 21st. And Denver Nickerson finished 22nd. Paul Mueller did not make the A main. Now we move on to Friday, January 21st. Stock cars, Trent Gregor picked up the win with Ryan Satter passing 14 cars to finish in third. Like I said, when he starts in the back, he goes forward. But when he starts up front, he goes backwards. <laughs> and that's Saturday, right? That, Saturday, on, the 20th. on Saturday. Or, or, no, yeah, that would be Saturday. Saturday the 21st, yep. Yeah, I can't read my own writing sometimes. <laughs> I proofread this once, and that's while I'm typing it. Um, yeah, on Saturday, Ryan Satter passed 14 cars, finished in third. Jordan Zilmer finished in seventh in the stock cars. In the limited modifieds, Jeremy Thornton picked up the win, while Shane Sabraski finished in second. Jake Smith finished in third, Lance Schill finished fifth, Scott Tofty sixth, Jory Burke seventh, Parker Anderson eighth, Devin Fouquet ninth, Lane Johnson eleventh, Dan Wheeler fourteenth, Terry Riley fifteenth, Alan Bowman sixteenth, Lucas Rodine eighteenth, Preston Carr twenty-fourth, and Scott Bince twenty-sixth. We move on to the late models. Bryson James broke the Ricky Weiss winning streak, Weiss finishing in the second spot, Cole Schill finished in third, Jason Strand fourth, Dustin Bloom eighth. Lance Schill, 11th, Josh Zimple, 13th, Spencer Wilson, 14th, Matt Sparby, 15th, Ryan Corbett in 16th, Paul Mueller in 22nd, Scott Ward, 23rd, and Ben Mickelson finishing in 26th. And then to finish out the weekend on Sunday, January the 22nd, in the stock cars, Trent Gregor repeated with a stock car win, and Ryan Satter passed nine cars to finish fourth, Jordan's... Zilmer finished in the 12th spot. Limited Modifieds, it was the Nightmare Lucas Rodin's turn to win in the Limited Mods with Jake Smith finishing second, Scott Bentz finishing fourth, Devin Fouquet was fifth, Lane Johnson sixth. Lance Schill passed 15 cars to end up in the seventh spot. Shane Sabraski finished eighth, Jory Exotic Berg ninth, Alan Bowman, 10th. Parker Anderson, 11th. Dan Wheeler, 20th. Scott Tofty, 21st. Terry Riley finished 22nd. And in the 23rd spot was Preston Carr. In the late models, Billy Moyer Sr. got his 848th. That's 848. 848th feature win of his career over Ham Lakes. Don Shaw, Lance Schill finished 4th. Josh Zimple, 5th. Ryan Corbett, 6th. Scott Ward in the 8th spot, Spencer Wilson 11th, Matt Sparby 13th. In the 17th spot was Ben Mickelson, Ricky Weiss finished 20th, Paul Mueller was 21st, Jason Strand 23rd, Denver Nickerson was 24th. In the 26th spot was Cole Schill and Dustin Bloom finished 27th. Tonight, this would be uh, Thursday the... 26th. 26th. I got that one right. Yeah. (laughs) Tonight uh, is the uh, second half of the Ernie Mincy early thaw and wraps up on Saturday, January the 28th. And, you know, uh, another thing about that Billy Moyer Sr. getting his 848th feature win, I think Shane Sabraski is pretty close to that same number. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Sabraski, though, I mean, he's, he's been known to run around this area and get... You know, running three different classes in one night, 
on three ni- nights a weekend yeah. and win all of them. So Yeah, they can, can add up quick that way. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and he's he's still a young fella. Yeah, Billy Moyer Sr., you know, he's getting kind of up there in age. He he was a former track record holder at the old half-mile version of the Red River Valley Speedway 1989, I believe. He set the late model track record wow. when the World of Outlaws were here, their first trip out to the Red River Valley Speedway. So, yeah, yeah so there's a little tie back into... Yeah, we're, we're, we'll we'll claim him as one of our own. He's been from Batesville, Arkansas his entire life. <laughs> That's funny. So we had some more racing action Thursday, January 19th through Saturday, January 21st with the Winter Nationals East Bay Raceway Park in uh, Tampa, Florida. One of my favorite racetracks. Actually, I would think I'd put that in number one if I were to rank everything. I don't like to pick favorites like that because it's like picking between my kids. <laughs> my kids are all different, which is why they're awesome. Yeah. And But East Bay is definitely my favorite racetrack that I've ever ever gone to in my life. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be closing soon. It's going to become a dump. Really? For uh, oh, that's yeah, too bad. a mining company, which is terrible. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, the track itself is so close to the Gulf out there in Tampa yeah. that the tides affect how the track acts. Really? Um, I have never felt dumber in my life trying to pick what the track was going to do than okay. working at East Bay Raceway Park. I'm not smart to begin with when it comes to that. Um, it's taken me... Many years to to figure that out. Sure, but I still am dumb enough to kind of say stuff like the <laughs> like try to, try to predict it. Every once in a while, I'm right. But uh, yeah, I I remember one time the track was really dry and dusty, and okay. I said, "Oh, they're going to need to put some water on this thing here." All they did was pack the top side in for about five minutes during this inf- this uh, intermission. They came back and the track was heavy. Like it, like they had watered it for an hour. Really, it was. <laughs> they had a hard time getting getting laps in right away. They actually had to. Th- a bunch of the cars came out and they were doing hot laps right away before they did their feature. And I'm like, why are they doing this? The track was dry. They're gonna burn it, burn this off. No, it was wet because the oh. tide had come up and completely changed the uh, the track. Uh, Crazy <laughs> that that day. Um. So. Yeah, it's it's def it's definitely tough to fi- it's one of those things where you got to read a chart to figure out how to set your car up based wow. on, you know, tide times and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's nuts. And, you know, it's one of those one of the nicest tracks put together. I love a track with red and white walls and this one I mean, it don't it basically glows in the dark. It's so nice and nice and painted bright. Huh. And they do this really awesome mural on the back stretch that says East Bay Raceway Park or yeah, East Bay Raceway Park and Okay. One year I actually got to help paint it. So Oh, nice. Um the, How many times have you been down there? Uh, I went down there two years in a row. Okay. Um, I, I probably altogether I think I've probably been there for at least twenty races. Oh wow. And, okay. Uh between the two years that I was down there. And it's still one of my favorite places ever. Great food. They got a cafe there. Huh. <laughs> Uh, they serve like spaghetti for one of the meals Wow! Uh, there. It's, it's real awesome. Uh, hmm. but yeah, East Grand Forks Bob Martin took out and took on the top gun sprints last weekend. He earned finishes a 13th, 9th and 24th at one of the most difficult tracks to read in the country. Like I mentioned there a little bit ago. Um, the first two nights were won by Steve Diamond Jr. Not no relation to Dustin Diamond. The <laughs> final night was won by Justin Webster, not related to Webster. From the TV show. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> uh, have I mentioned yet that I haven't slept yet from last night? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was pretty much that. That was all that was going on out there for locals that raced out at the uh, the uh, Winter Nationals out at East Bay Raceway Park in Tampa. They got Crate Week going on right now, where it's the Crate Late Models 
Crate Racing USA. Good buddy of mine, uh, um, Cody Early, going to be uh, announcing some of those those races. Uh, great guy. I got to work with him in Bristol. Okay. Fantastic call on everything. The guy has good timing, and that's something that is tough to teach. Sure. And he's only been in it for just a couple of years, so wow. that's, that's impressive, to say the least. That's cool. And uh, so he gets announced at one of my favorite race, uh, my favorite racetrack. Nice. That I don't get to go to this year. <laughs> <laughs> so the World of Outlaw Late Models ran uh, what, Thursday the, the 19th through Saturday the 21st, is that they, right? Yeah, they tried to out at the uh, fourth annual Dirt Car Sunshine Nationals of Volusia Speedway Park in De Leon Spring, Springs, Florida. Devin Moran started off the season on the right foot. Get it? Because that's the gas pedal foot. Uh, <laughs> We need a little sound effect thing. Boom! I was, you know, hoping for a car crash sound effect, but uh, <laughs> but, but he won the uh, won the first night of the season over Tim McCready and Chris Smoky Madden. Following night, Moran bested McCready once again. This time with Ricky Thornton finding his way to the podium, finishing in the third spot. Unfortunately for Moran and uh, for the rest of the racers, the final night was washed out altogether. So a rain out night out there. Uh, in the point season, not there. Uh, Devin Moran did not declare that he was going to run for the entire series this year, so he's not eligible for the points title. So that means Chris Smokey no. Madden is is sitting in the first spot with 584 points. Nick Hoffman, running for the Rookie of the Year this year, also has, I think, in the modified portion of the uh, um, of this event, the uh, Dirt Cart Sunshine Nationals out of Volusia, I think he has the most... You win a Gator. It's a trophy that's a, of a Gator okay. out there, and I think he has the most <laughs> most Gators in the history of wow. that event. Piling him up because he pretty much uh, when he raced modifieds out there, it was the Nick Hoffman Invitational. Uh, he wins. Everyone else is just playing along afterwards <laughs> behind him. Uh, he's running. He's in the second spot with 576 points, and Brian Shirley uh, is tied with Hoffman, also in that second spot with 576 points. That's your top three for the. World of Outlaw Late Models. Again, they're going to be coming out here in June out of the Red River oh, Valley yeah, Speedway. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's so I'm right. going to cover them this year so I can remember what's going on. Nice. Very <laughs> cool. Um, so we, we got a little a, a new little feature here uh, that you do. You've been watching a lot of uh, uh, racing movies, documentaries, things like that, and uh, you're doing that again this week, or you did that again this week um, with a documentary series called Lost Speedways, is that right? That's correct. All right, let's hear about it. Uh, this is spoilers, breakdowns, and setup sheets uh, segment. Um, with spoilers, that's what I'm going to you know, basically give away most of what's in a show. Sure. I'll plug uh, my ears while you're doing this. <laughs> or a movie. Uh, breakdowns, uh, video game breakdowns. I've been kind of playing a little bit of that, too. And setup sheets, and this is you know, one of the few that I don't have anything, any content on yet, but I have a box full of books. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read some books and recommend some to you. Sure. Haven't done a book report since 11th grade, so let's go <laughs> from that. Um, so this is the spoilers portion of it here, which is Lost Speedway's documentary series. It's free on Peacock. Uh, it ran from, I believe, 2019 to 2020, and then, of course, the world stopped. Right. Um, including this documentary uh, series Two seasons, 16 episodes, usual running time around 26 minutes. That's, That's about, not the, bad. about the average. Half hour show, yeah. It's not bad at all. And it's one of those where when you're done with one, it's like, yeah, I could watch another one. Binge worthy, yeah. Huh? It's definitely binge worthy. Um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. teams up with his buddy Matt Dillner for, uh, and a few local, along with a few local experts and some special guests along the way to tour the country and explore racetracks 
for uh, one reason or another that have shut down. Uh, along the way, the rich history of these speedways and Diller and Hurd Jr.'s family history are told through uh, in now quiet race courses that are now just memories. Uh, season one starts off with the Metrolina Speedway in Charlotte, North Carolina. That was featured very prominently in the uh, early on in the movie three, the, the Dale Earnhardt movie. Yep. Um, a track that is very big in the Earnhardt family legacy, along with many racing stars from the past. Uh, they then travel to Middle Georgia Raceway, which is famous for a 1967 moonshine sting. Really? Like, like they, they kind of figured it out. They're, this still might have been actually under the racetrack. No way. Well, where else would you want it? I I, I don't know, but I mean, they have. <laughs> there's a lot of great stuff in there. I know this is spoilers, but I'm that's not going to really, give away all of it. Yeah, but, no, that's really cool, though. Yeah, it's 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 everything. Every episode's real interesting, and, and uh, they do a great job on there. After after that, they head to uh, New Asheville Speedway in North Carolina, which is now Carrier Park. The racing footprint currently repurposed as like a bicycle track. Like you could go, okay. you could actually run around and race on that. Okay. And they have, you know, it's like a city park now, um, which hmm. is, it's nice that they kind of keep some of the history alive. They got a bunch of monuments and stuff out there too that look pretty awesome. The uh, monuments to uh, all the racers and stuff that went from the, from the past out there. Uh, episode four sees, uh, sees the, the show in Augusta, Georgia, where they visit a road circuit that was designed and built by Fireball Roberts. Um, and it, it, by all, purposes it meant to be everything like there i think there was going to be a dirt track the road course was the main thing to start with then they were going to build a speedway out there that nascar was going to race on as well along with drag strips and all kinds of racing for every kind of discipline you can think of in in racing but unfortunately it went under Mm. um and a big thing having to do with the the uh on-track death of fireball roberts didn't really help the situation much at all i suppose not hmm uh, then they travel to the site of the booming years of midget racing as well as the Negro League Baseball at Hinchcliffe Stadium in Patterson, New Jersey. That's a very interesting story. Uh, the stadium itself still looks really nice. Okay, I, I know they've been there have been a lot of great efforts to preserve that place over the many years. So it's cool to see them, uh, uh, you know, doing something from there. And the history is just incredible from there. They even get into almost a whole season's worth. Of a rivalry, huh? Uh, okay. Which is 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 real great. Uh, from there, they head to Hillsboro, North Carolina, and the spot of NASCAR's third ever race, the Okanichi Speedway. Bless you. <laughs> I know, <laughs> Okanichi. Go figure. That one has that little squiggly red line underneath it here <laughs> on my uh, my windows here. Uh, yeah, Okanichi Speedway, which uh, that's another cool uh, cool race track. Uh, then they head out to Bloomingdale, Indiana, where they find uh, Jungle Park, and it literally is a jungle uh, now. Uh, mm. It's one of those cool, really old tracks uh, that was one of the most dangerous tracks of its time. And to wrap up season one, they make the long trip to Mooresville, North Carolina, and Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s graveyard, car graveyard and abandoned dirt track that's in his yard. In his yard. Yeah, they left the they left the house to go do that episode. <laughs> but I mean, it's really cool because the last episodes of every season they get really introspective, uh-huh. and it, it's it, it's really heartbreaking to see that even in his yard that he can't keep a racetrack going. Yeah, he it just goes to show, and it was a track that he built for fun. It was just a go kart kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, but but the go karts kept breaking down, and you know it was tough to keep that going. I suppose, yeah. Hmm. 
Uh, season two kicks off at the birthplace of NASCAR, the Daytona Beach Road Course. Uh, then uh, they head out to West Virginia and one of Dirt Late Model's most historic tracks. So there's going to be more coming out on this one here uh, very soon. I'm, I am very happy to say. It's the Pennsboro Speedway. Um, that is going to be coming back in 2024. They, uh, the great people from XR are a part of the racetrack revival, which that's the group that got the North Wilkesboro Speedway back going and now is going to have the NASCAR All-Star Race this year. So um, they're going to take on Pennsboro. Okay. Which, you know, I got a thing for you know tracks that are really weird shaped and uh, defined by the countryside, basically. <laughs> Egg-shaped tracks. I don't know why I like them so much, but Pennsboro Speedway, that was uh, that was uh, season number two, episode number two. And then it was one of the tracks where the Labonte brothers got their start, the San Antonio Speedway. Uh, from there, it's uh, it's Case, South Carolina, and the Columbia Speedway, now a concert venue. But the footprint of the racetrack still exists. Junior, actually, they showed him taking a couple laps around the track. Um, it was the site of the 1966 Ford boycott. That's the first race that, um, during the engine wars between Ford and, and, uh, and Chrysler, when Chrysler had the 426 Hemi and uh, Ford tr- tried to come out with a 427. Okay. Um, Bill France did not want uh, that 427 out there because they weren't putting it in in uh, uh, production cars. So they basically hurried a couple of models out with that, uh, with that in there. Well, he basically tried to give them like a restrictor plate kind of option mm-hmm. to run that car, and uh, Ford decided we're boycotting, we're pulling everybody. They mm-hmm. literally let the drivers be there at the racetrack, stand out in front in the pit area kind of thing where everyone in the stands could see them and they know the fans noticed a lot of the drivers of the time, like the Ned Jarrett's of the time, Curtis Turner's were not racing. Oh, and okay. that was a big one. And, uh, it, that kind of, kind of caused a little bit of the issue out there with Columbia Speedway because the next race is with, without the Ford drivers there, nobody wanted to go. Sure. Uh, it caused a drop in a lot of, lot of racetracks, uh, in their uh, their attendance. After that, they go to College Station, Texas, in the site of the Texas World Speedway, which was uh, a, a really nice track, a really nice facility, but just in a really bad area of yeah. Texas. It's, it's not easy to get to College Station. Right. It's, uh, yeah, it's not... <laughs> it's Remote. two-lane roads the entire mm-hmm. way to find that racetrack. Uh, a site, I know that was a track that Tim Richmond really owned back in the 80s. Uh, from there, after that, they go to Arundel, Maine, and the Arundel Speedway, a track that gave birth to the beginning of the Super Modifieds, as well as the career of Dr. Dick Bergeron. Um, oh, nice. And then after that, they go to Shelby, North Carolina, Carolina, the home of Kenny Powers, um, in the Cleveland County Fairgrounds, where Herb Thomas was nearly killed in a racing accident that may or may not have been a conspiracy. Hmm. Very interesting really? story on that I'm one. I'm going to have to go I back and watch this. I won't give, I won't give that one no, away. No, don't, don't do that. And to round out the season, they head out to to uh, Myrtle Beach Speedway, the home of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, uh, or Myrtle Beach Mermen, speaking of Kenny Powers. <laughs> 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 Actually, they really are the, the Pelicans now, but uh, that's a former NASCAR track that was in the process of being destroyed for progress. Mm. And uh, that was another one of those heartbreaking episodes because they had a lot of... A lot of stuff with Dale in there, and you know, he was a third generation winner at that racetrack. Yeah, uh, went from his grandpa all the way down to his dad to him, mm-hmm. and uh, they're basically 
touring that track as they're tearing it down. Oh. And it's real depressing. Mm. Uh, it's it's unfortunate that there are no plans for any other season, especially since they haven't done a full season on Wee Town yet. Um, <laughs> but I 100% give this one a green flag. Go watch it. It's only eight hours that fly by on the Peacock net- Network. When you're done, you can go watch The Office after that. Sure so, you I mean, can. There's plenty that you can do after that. So, yeah, green flag that one. Go watch it. All right. So what else is happening? Well, locally, Sunday, January 29th, the Underwood area Lions Ice Racing will be racing in Underwood, Minnesota at 1230, noon 30-ish. Nationally, tonight through Saturday, January 28th, it'll be the Super Bowl racing at Golden Isles Speedway in Waynesville, Georgia, not to be confused with Wayne's World. Uh, that'll be the Lucas Oil Late Models. that will be live on Flow. Friday, January 27th through Saturday, uh, Saturday the 28th, that'll be the Southern Sprint Car Shootout at Volusia Speedway Park, De Leon Springs, Florida, the USCS Sprint Car Series. Then uh, on Saturday, it'll be Cabin Fever at Boyd Speedway, Ringgold, Georgia, the Ironman Super Late Models. That'll be live on XR. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, of course... We got next week to to look forward to. We do. We normally don't preview the the coming up week, but uh, we've got some. You've got some stuff lined up for us. That's right. I usually only have. Um, I, I usually get my notes done right around four o'clock in the morning, the <laughs> night before we do this uh, podcast, uh, <laughs> and we start we start recording at eight thirty. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I got a li- uh, a winter view lined up. You Notice know, so we didn't have one this week because everybody wanted to do it next week and after. Um, sure. So we have a Red River Valley Speedway promoter Nick Skalicki is going to come on. He also uh, has a has a lot to do with the Red River Kart Club. We got a season coming up out of both of those racetracks, so we're going to talk about that with Nick Skalicki coming up here. Spoilers, breakdowns, and setup sheets. We're going to do it finally. Um, we're going to do yes. the movie at any price, uh, which is, as far as I know, the most recent bomb in racing movie history. <laughs> At least by my standards. Uh, well, we'll 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 wait to discuss that till next week. I I. Yeah, yeah. We'll, I, I'll we'll talk about. I I like you hated it. I liked it. We'll, we'll talk next week. <laughs> I mean, I loved it because it's so bad. But <laughs> I'm one of those kind of types of people. Well, we'll also be going over a lot of local and national results too, as well. And that'll be next week, right here on the big show. All right. Well, again, thank you all for joining us. Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Uh, uh, you can find that anywhere you get your podcasts and, of course, at kfgo.com. So for Corey Litton, I'm Ryan Janke. Thanks for being here. We'll see you again next time on Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. <laughs>